Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MoPod, brought to you by MoDate, where we discuss all things modern orthodoxy from dating to the Upper West Side and everything in between. I'm your host, Evan Harris, and we have a great guest for you today. Let's get to it. Today, we're sitting down with the rabbi of the Young Israel of the West Side, Rabbi Yitzhak Gettinger. How are you, Rav? I'm doing well, Baruch Hashem. Thanks for having me, Evan. Of course. So it's a great honor to have you on the podcast, of course. Just want to learn more about your background, where you're from, and how you ended up on the Upper West Side. Absolutely. So I'm born and raised in South Bend, Indiana, uh, Notre Dame, fighting Irish. And I, uh, quite a journey, obviously, from Notre Dame to Upper West Side of Manhattan. But the truth is that the shul was my grandfather's for about half a century. Uh, my grandfather was a founding grub of the shul of the young Israel. And um, the shul, shul had gone through its ups and downs through the years. But after my grandfather passed away, it was, uh, it was kind of like just an opportunity in the family if someone would take over. Um, the board at the time kind of almost reached out to the family to figure out if there would be someone from the family to be interested in it. And uh, it, fell, it fell into my lap. So that's kind of how I came to be in the, on the Upper West Side. But that's a very meaningful thing, being in the place where my Zayda was for so many years. For sure. So where were you before that? I was living in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, I was not planning on being a rabbi. Um, I wouldn't say I was planning against it, but definitely not proactively doing it. It was not like even in a smicha regimented program. I'd always been learning halacha myself on the side, taking tests and things like that. But I hadn't been doing that. I didn't have a resume. Uh, that kind of thing. But it, when it came into I was sitting in Israel, I was learning in Brisk. I remember Yeshua Salavachik Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, I was married with a couple of children, kind of toying with the idea of making Aliyah. I'm not sure myself if I was going to stay on with it or not. But when the opportunity came, it was kind of like, it was meaningful. There was legacy. It was the Zayda. It was there. I decided to give it a shot. All right, great. I mean, we're very fortunate to have you here, obviously. And so I only moved to the Upper West Side in June of 2021. And so I've always known the young Israel as being the place to be, but that obviously hasn't always been the case. So how did that, how did the young Israel become the preeminent shul on the Upper West Side? Well, I almost laugh from hearing you refer to it, refer to it in that way. And the truth is that it hasn't been so long. I mean, I moved right at the end of 2017. So I guess it's four and a half years now. Uh, But in our fifth year, like there's just been, there's been nice, steady, gradual growth through the whole time. But it's, it's, it's amazing to hear you see this, say those words. But I, I kind of, in my own mind, don't even see it that way anymore. You know, really, I guess just because like maybe a little bit more perspective or background, it, it just isn't, you know, that's not the way the shul I came to. Uh, the shul, the shul when, we, when I first came, um, we, struggled, we struggled for Minion. That's the truth. Uh, we had, we had some great, a great core of people who were older and still connected to my grandfather. I guess people of the board, people who brought me in, people who wanted to see the shul uh, revived. But on the, on the other hand, there were also a nice group of guys who were coming to shul, mostly just because there was nothing else. You know, and I was, they liked that there was nothing. They liked there was no rob. They liked that there was no events, no one pressuring them, no one charging them for membership. You know, and it was just kind of like a free zone for them. Now, ironically, I... Uh, happened to know some of them, which was great. I had spent one summer at NCSY Colo and I walked in and I see a couple of these kids who are, you know, I was their madrich, not that much older than them. And it was, it was, it was an honestly, it was a place to start. And some of the, the, the people, the founding, the founding people over there at that time, from 20, late 2017, early 2018, those were the difference makers, you know, and like they, they had a kiddish club 
and it was it was it was from that little kiddish club where things really really started started taking place and slowly and slowly started growing but you know it was it's always been steady it's never been you know suddenly the next you get a 300% increase or you know it's it, it's been steady it's been growing we've had to clean up a lot in the shul and slowly get better and better at what we're doing and trying to help the community and i think slowly and gradually the community's responded as well Great. Speaking of membership, where can someone sign up for membership? <laughs> I love that. Um, so membership, you know, it's funny. I'll tell you in a second. Don't worry. I will. <laughs> Free it's, it's, it's always been something which I think there's a difference in outlook and like what membership means. Um, maybe sometimes it, it, maybe there can be somewhat of a struggle between a rabbi and a board or things like that. As a rub, you're never focused on membership. It's never, it's never your focus. And it, it it's kind it's kind of almost can get in the way. Um, to me, it's always about what I can feel is like someone feeling it's their place, their home, and seeing them engaging and interacting with the community. Um, membership for certain people can keep them committed. For certain people, like membership is a way, hey, listen, I already paid the money. I may as well show up, you know? Yeah. Like it definitely could be that way. And it could also be a way of people giving tzedakah, which is beautiful. You know, people just give them a thing that they know where it's going and they're happy to it. And in both of those cases, it's good. But I never like to overemphasize it. Um, and the, the reason is, is because, you know, I've seen a couple guys who have grown like and been such significant contributors. And if you look at you're like, what? They're not a member? Like, that's crazy, you know? But that sometimes is the truth. Sometimes, you know, it's just everyone has their own way and their own possibilities. And, and, and membership can sometimes be um, an overstatement. I also think it's nice sometimes in a community where there are multiple shuls, like where we live in, where people have a dual membership. And that's great also. It's not like, you know, I try never to be like a loyalty thing, like, you know, how many weeks in a row were you here or not? You know, it's not, it's not, it's not like that, but at the same time, it's always appreciated. You know, every dollar cents, every dollar counts here. And like, it's, 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 it's important to keep on the lights, you know, in the old, the old building of the Israel to maintain is crazy. So yeah, you can always check it out. YWS.org. It's always there waiting for you. Great. So speaking of membership and just kind of this idea of the community and everything, obviously a lot of people that come to the Upper West Side are coming straight out of their college community, but it's not college anymore. Even if people are in graduate school, it's still a real, a real person community. We're all kind of adults now. So how do you take that balance of going from a JLIC minion or a Chabad in a college campus to a real shul while still acknowledging that the community is kind of people all around the same age and similar walks of life? It's an incredible question. Um, it's Try. such an incredible question. If you don't mind, I'm going to throw in one more variable. If that's sure. okay. Um, I would say maybe like 75% of the demographics are under the age of 30, 35. But then there's another 25% who are over the age of 60. It's pretty much absent, you know, from 35 to 60. But there is that older demographic as well. And you throw that in there and they're looking for, you know, what regular stable schools do when they're super legit. Um, but then there's the 75% who are so similar minded, similar backgrounds, kind of like that yeshiva high school we kind of feel, and they're all kind of here together on the West side. How do you balance all that? So it's a great question. Um, honestly, I don't have a perfect formula. That's the truth, but I, I, I try to capitalize on it. So there's certain things I think which work well. Number one is I think like, um, like vibes and like pace of davening and like the kind of things we're trying to do in davening is very important. So like in an ideal world, maybe, maybe davening would look a little, a little bit different, but I think when we're looking at people who are used to college minion, it's very important that davening is super efficient, um, that it moves really well and that it's not, it's not boring. Um, it's very important point. And that's been something actually 
you know, I almost wonder if what my Zayda thinks of me, you know, from the from the cover. But that's been one of the big changes that I think I made in the shul. So, you know, we've taken out Yosef, sometimes some of those harder points in davening where you just see like the new generation is, is just not there for, you know, Adam's mirrors, you know, a few of these things. And those have been some some of the more difficult choices, but just to run davening well. Another point is try to get people involved, you know, and, and like capitalize it. You know, sometimes a weakness is a strength. So like teen minion vibes, you always get a guy stepping up to daven and it's chill. It's not a big deal. You know, we'll support you. Your song doesn't sound right. You know, it's okay. It's not a big deal. It's never been, I like not having an official chazan in the show. I like it being like participatory and everyone, you know, willing and engaged and like having fun together, which is being like a constant, it's an important thing. Like I'm not looking to bring in a cancer to the show or something like that. I think that kind of like throws it off. And then for the old people's credit, like I give them so it's it's beautiful is that they want to see the next generation in it, you know, and that's something really nice. Like the energy of the shul is is the future and it's nice to see. So I try to make it like it's fun, it's relaxed, it moves, it's quick. And like in that way, I, th- I think I think it I think it works at most point. Yeah, for sure. Also want to give a special shout out to Josh Letterer for coming in and making things move during davening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Josh is a great example of a guy like, you know, what a guy. He just shows up fresh to the community. Two months later, the guy's got by his tool. And like, you know, like it's almost like he doesn't believe it. We don't believe it, but it's a perfect thing. You know, we we saw him. He came with a couple of guys like, yeah, he was good. He was a guy in Columbia. I'm like, great. Now let's put him to work, you know, and great example. He was literally a guy, I think, before he took out membership. He's a member, too. But like, what a guy, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's funny. Josh is so our apartment in the Heights before we moved to the Upper West was me, Josh and John. And so it's uh we're all here now and hopefully making an impact. So that's, so that's great. So moving on to just various areas of the young Israel, what is one thing you would change if you could about the shul, about not about the community, just about the shul, let's say. So it's the building. It's mm-hmm. totally the building. I can't stand the sanctuary sanctuary. We've got, it's got whatever it is, the 1200 seats. And that huge, huge edifice, it just stands there. And it's, it's just too, it's like this whale trying to, trying to swallow you. It's hard to hear. It's hard to speak from. It's hard to daven from. And most importantly, I just think it's wasted space on the Upper West Side. If, you know, all the conditions were there, we would knock that whole thing down and just, you know, carve it out in a way that's more um, functional for our community and make it really make you good use of the space. I think, I think here is a good example where, where less can be more. Also a full-size basketball court. Yeah, like yeah. exactly. That's all I mean. I'm like, we play court, we play in the court, it's like mini court and the shul's too big. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I agree okay. That. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know, but I assume it's probably hard to hear from the women's section. So I totally hear what you're saying. I come home from shul every single week. My voice is shot. Wow. I just I'm like, I'm screaming. That's all. That's the only <laughs> shot you can have. And even then, I don't think they're hearing me. Yeah. So even though we've touched a lot on the Young Israel, I'm just wondering, you did mention about the different shuls in the community. And I'm wondering how you think, if you think the different shuls kind of cater to different crowds or how do you view that? You know, what's interesting about the West Side is that I, I, there's something that's, I'm going to use a word here, cyclical. It's almost something cyclical about it and like the way that there's a vibe or like a certain feel around the shul. At the way it is, definitely, like, there's all, there's definitely like that. There's a spectrum here. There's more of Shtibo like, you know, there's more of um, traditional modern Orthodox shuls. And we're kind of, I would say we're kind of like in the middle, I would put it. But at the same time, like, I, I think there's something to be said about how in today's generation specifically, like, where you go to shul and like where you take out a membership, it actually doesn't say that much about you. 
You know, in other words, it might not, it's less defining as it used to be. Like something like, you know, an institution like, oh, I'm a Shebel Yid, or I'm like, you know, a modern Orthodox Yid. Like today, it's the funniest thing. You'll see the breakdown of those walls and the erosion of that. In a way, it's nice. Like the world is flattening, you know, and there's something, there's something to that which I appreciate. And I actually encourage it on the West Side and Congress, you know, check it out. Like there should be, I like doing, I like doing as much as I can multi-shul stuff where you partner with people trying to feel like a, you know, a greater part of the same community as much as we can. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I didn't realize that, but that's a, that's a great thing to know that, I mean, I guess I see that, that people that go to different places aren't necessarily different. And it's not something I've ever really thought about because I'm kind of new to the whole membership game, but yeah, it's cool. So speaking of, I mean, I'll tell you, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I just, you know, I'll give you an example about the young Israel itself. You know, there's a, um, there is a, a, a shtibel today, I think it's, I find this like a very interesting point. There's a shtibel today, very popular shtibel on the Upper West Side, which we have the most overlap with. Of any shul on the West Side, I'd say we have the most overlap with the Rittnicker shtibel, all right? Mm-hmm. Now, the Rittnicker shtibel, which is an old Rabbi Orenstein, who was very, very close to my grandfather. And back in the day, I would say we're talking like 1960s, 1970s type of thing, okay? So my grandfather was the new, uh, you know, the modern Orthodox raw, yeah. the polished speaker and all that. Rabbi Orenstein was like this, I don't know how to describe him. He was European yet. He spoke Yiddish. He really, you know, he wasn't saying any sermons or anything like that. It wasn't like that, you know? And there was this like Shtibel Yid and like the Yeshiva Shank. And then there was like the young Israel, which was like the modern Orthodox vibe. So today the irony is, is that, you know, you sit in, in, in the Rindaker Shtibel and the rabbi is a YU rabbi and he's tremendous and he's so talented. And he's great. And he's trained. His name is Rabbi Daniel Stein. I mean, absolute all-star of a rabbi. Like the modern Orthodox look at him, like, you know, he's the legend. Yeah. And then today in like the young Israel. So I'm, 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 I'm a yeshiva kid. I'm a little bit less trained. Like I'm not as much <laughs> of a modern Orthodox classic rabbi. So look at that, you know, look how gener- generations flip it. And so today, what does it mean? Are you in a shiva? Are you in a young Israel? I don't know. We're just trying to stay afloat today. You know what I'm saying? It's less of a big deal. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. I mean, obviously this is the Mopod and it's all stemming from Modate. So modern Orthodoxy is a question I get a lot about, like, what is modern orthodoxy? How do you see modern orthodoxy? And I kind of just say, if you consider yourself modern orthodox, then you're modern orthodox. Or if you have ever considered yourself modern orthodox, then you're modern orthodox. Like there's no real defining factor of what that is. So that kind of blends things because if you can't really say what something is, then it definitely blends. So just speaking more about partnerships you mentioned, we did run an event together last summer, Modate and Young Israel, which was, I think, a pretty big success. And I, I recently also ran an event at Tempura, Modate Madness, and obviously the Young Israel runs a lot of events and a lot of different things, programming going on, the basketball league, just I think there's something coming up on Perm, right? And so a lot of plugs here. And so I'm wondering what it's like running these events and how, again, it's kind of catering to just all these different types of people. And obviously I I know that when you run an event, no one's, it's not going to have universal love like not everyone's gonna have enjoyed it not everyone's gonna be into the idea people are gonna give you you should do this you should have done that or whatever it is all the time and so I'm wondering how do you go about event planning and coming up with the right ideas to keep the most amount of people happy amazing question wow so the truth is that I don't have a formula um and most most of it is is that in the shul you know you're talking about how it's like more of a legit shul and I see it more of like whatever, a startup, like this mm-hmm. is something, we don't have a full staff. Uh, 
we have, we have a custodian, we got me and we got a part-time secretary. So like, I don't have an executive director is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, an executive director, an event planner or something like that, which honestly we need, we probably could use. That's the truth. Um, so we're trying to winging it. And what it ends up being is me and volunteers and the volunteer, I mean, it's, that's a good example of people who are looking to make an impact and could make a big impact. There's just incredible people who I've been blessed with over the years here who have been looking to make a difference. And that's the biggest difference you can make. So, you know, we're talking about, let's say, for example, a perm event, this break fast coming up, which is going to be incredible. So there's like a team of like eight girls right now um, who are volunteering on that. And these eight girls, it's amazing. They've raised, they're doing this Mishloch Mano project together. They raised like thousands of dollars and that's going to pay for the break fast, bring in a couple dollars for the shul. Like what an impact, you know? And it's just from eight girls coming together, doing something like that. Um, the dinner, which you did, like, I remember on my initial phone conversation with you, I, b- I barely knew you, to be honest, but there's a kid who's trying to do something good and it's going to bring value to the community. Like, I'm very happy to try to support that and partner with that. That's always kind of been the philosophy. Um, but b- given that there, there's room for error, you know, we all make mistakes and it's when we're not, when we're not doing it professionally, we're just trying to figure out we make mistakes. So definitely early on, I made a lot of mistakes. I, I'm still making them, but I, I've learned from them. That's for sure. So I usually try to do it stick myself in and then try to find for what the event that we're trying to do, try to find the right volunteers. I usually have ideas in my head of what I want to do and then find the volunteers, but certain times will be the other way. It will be like something where the volunteers will actually come to me and I try to be there, you know, always as a, as a, as a recipient, as an address where someone can go if they have an idea and then try to work with them. It's always better if you have committee, you know, three, four, five, six people. But the truth is it's all about, it's all about passion. Someone who's willing to work and make it happen. A joke around, and this is usually a joke, is that usually you have a committee, you have an event that's run, and then they burn out from doing it, and they'll come back a year later and do something. Because there is a burnout rate. In other words, when you make it, it's a lot of work. And people yeah. don't realize initially how much work it's really going to be. And you get to the details and the plastic plates and the tablecloths and the dollars and the cents and the financials and this. And you kind of like, wait, I'm not sure if I signed up to do this. Like, how did I, how suddenly did I be, this become my second job? And that's a legitimate point. And I, I you know, I try not to fool people about what they're going to get into, but at the same time, you're trying to encourage them. And I think one thing is, I don't think anybody ever regrets being involved. They may have wished it went different, but I think there's always something which is gained from the involvement. And it's a wonderful, wonderful way to contribute to a community. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I could totally confirm the the burnout. I definitely had some burnout with all the, there's a lot of logistics that go into it. Like you said, like the plates and you just don't think about that beforehand, but ultimately I think that it leaves a lasting impact these events and people remember them and people associate the shul with them and people associate Mode with these events. Like people are asking me, this event was, was like a few days ago that I had and people are asking me, are any, have any shit ups come from it? Like, I have no idea. It's been, it's been a few days. I don't, I have no clue if anyone's talking, but it's not about that. It's about kind of giving the image to the shul, giving the image to Modid and just being able to just have that and just know forever that people will see that and see just to provide legitimacy, kind of like this podcast does. And just, that's really what it is. It's an excellent point. You know, I've always, I've always tried to make events less goal oriented. It's not about how many members you pick up. It's not about necessarily even how much money you make. It's just, it's just about an environment of trying to provide, provide them. So just going a little bit into dating, I know we, we weren't going to go too deep into this. Just, I was once told a very pessimistic viewpoint about the Upper West Side, which was that the Upper West Side is basically just a waiting room for marriage. Obviously there are couples here, married couples here that live here, but what are your thoughts on that statement? Wow. 
Um, I don't, I honestly don't agree. Like, I, I, I don't think that's just what it is. I, I, in other words, I think there's a lot of people who are looking to get married here. And that's, that's the point. It's kind of like the last stage you see them move on, but, but there's so much more to it. It's, it, it's not all it is. It's such, I feel like it's a little bit limiting, you know, to understand what the community is about. Ideally, this was funny. You see evolution of the shul pre COVID. Like there were very few singles who were that involved in the shul. And uh, that was one of the biggest changes that COVID had on the shul where um, singles became just so more numerous, more, more membership, more influence, so on and so forth. And, you know, today, now we've got a lot of couples, we've got a lot of singles, and the goal is to, to integrate. In other words, the goal is to have a sincere, mature community, irrespective of what stage of life you are, what age or what stage of life you are. And that, I think that that's the real goal. The West Side is about freedom. It's about anonymity. And it's about just being yourself close to work in a fun environment and fun generation until you're ready to get more serious to life. For some people that's single, for some people that's married, some people that's someone with a kid or two, you know, and that, that's all good. I think ideally the most beautiful thing is like when you can walk, when, you, when you're in shul and you see someone who's maybe single and he's really good friends with someone who's got a couple of kids already. And that, that's fine. That's cool. It should be that way. Um, at the same time, I, I do acknowledge where the statement's coming from. You know, I think I do understand that. It's, def it's definitely a good place for singles to meet, and it's a great way to encourage encourage the shidduchim. So as much as the opportunity is here, and we do have the numbers, it's our prize. You know, we, it's our accountability. We, we've got to try to do it as much as we can, which which brings me to ask you what we do, you know, but it's it's tough. We try, but it's a jungle out there, you know? For sure. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, you're kind of like, you know, March Madness is coming up. So you're kind of like a college coach because the there's a rotating door sort of in this community, which is not similar to a lot of other communities. And being from Indiana, a big basketball state, um, I know you're a basketball fan. So just speak on that a little more. What do you think you could do better to just people might be here for a year, two years. How do you facilitate this feeling of togetherness when people are everything's kind of temporary? I, I, so either somebody fed, fed you that or you're, or you're, or you're I'm blown away by, by what your question was, because that's always been my thing. Coach K is always we're talking about Coach K. Obviously, he's in the news yeah. and everything now. He's always been my idol. Um, even before I was rubbing up the West Side, I was always blown away by this guy. He's got that mix, which I think I'm not at all on Coach K's level in my stage of life at all. But my, my dream, he's got that mix of he's geek in his own way. He's a little bit of like this genius coach. But he's all, he's just so relatable. He's so warm. And he always says it's all about family, you know, and that's Coach K. And, 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 and he's created at Duke University, just keeping this analogy going. It's a part, it's a bar of excellence that like, this is what we are and this is the way we recruit. And he like, he bounces around that. But he, his players love him. They, they, they're there for him, even though in the transients, you know, but he's just got this, this deep embedded culture. And you think about like the Cam and Crazies and all that. So there are all these variables going on in college basketball, which contribute to the overall culture. And when there's a great culture, then the names change and the faces change. And the individuals who have walked through Duke are so different. I mean, yeah, I don't know. even you take like Christian Leitner and then, yeah, I mean, you think, you think about him, that's like from like when I'm growing up, Jason yeah. Tatum, like these things, you put them together. Obviously these people are so different, but there, there's an anchor. There's an anchor. There's a base. You know what you're getting when you come to Duke University. So like, I think, 
I think that's the key here. And, and to think about, to think about how transients can actually be a gift, you know, like one thing I think is a gift in the community. We can all understand there's very little shul politics. You know what I'm saying? Like things aren't such a big deal here. We're chilled. We're relaxed. It's, it's, it's it, it does have that, that, that certain environment. And, and there's something beautiful about saying, all right, it's not a big deal. Somebody might be here two out of four Shavasim, one out of four Shavasim, but they feel when they're here, they're comfortable. They know where to go. They have someone to take a Chavez to. They feel a part of something. And that's the real goal. My goal is basically to say, you're here. You didn't know it's going to be something that you're going to be connected to, but you're going to be connected to it when you're here. And I think the main thing, the main point, what I think of is you're not, as much as I'm building a shul, there are people. And there are people who go out. I've already had like a couple of waves of changes. You stay in touch. The people that you have a relationship with, you stay in touch. And even the people you lose touch with, but, but there was an impact. You know what I mean? There's something where they're there. So you try to inspire, you try to build. And it's not about, you know, how many members the school is going to have in 2030. I have no clue, you know, but it's, it's about the people who are here coming in and knowing they're going out better than they came in. That's a great answer. I mean, I think one thing you have over Coach K is that the uh, people of the North Carolina of the Upper West Side don't don't hate you as far as I'm aware. So I think <laughs> you're a more universally loved figure than Coach K. So that's good. Anyway, moving on to a couple segments we do here on the MoPod. Just first, we start with Mo Tips, just some uh, general advice. So what is the best advice you would give to someone who has just moved or is going to move to the Upper West Side and does not know too many people? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, I always, you know, I get some phone calls sometimes from people. Should I, do I think it's a good idea for them to come to the Upper West Side? And, and generally, I, 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 I tell people, if you don't know people and you don't have some friends, I don't know if it's the best place. It really, you know, it really is. It's not so much that the Upper West Side is clicky as much as, you know, people are coming in with, with a base already of, of, of a frame, you know, a frame for their friends. And it, it sometimes could be tough to break in. But what I try to do in shul is, um, honestly, someone like yourself, Evan, is a good example uh, of a connector. Try to find someone who, who, is, who has a lot of friends, someone who's in the right circle, but someone who's not scared to befriend somebody else. Someone who's not scared to actually say good job to somebody and invite them to a meal. And you try to make, try to make some connections there. That's, that, that's what I try to do the most. Um, I'm always, you know, sometimes it's just introductions at shul, inviting them someone over for a meal, uh, inviting someone to a shear, inviting sometimes... You know, I have a certain limited amount of time, but sometimes I like to choose chavrusas who to learn with. Like, I'll try to get someone in, someone who um, maybe otherwise wouldn't have come in, wouldn't have known or felt comfortable in shul. And that, that, can, do a, that can do a tremendous amount. But I, I think it's about trying to find people who are looking to, 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 to be more welcoming. And the truth is, it's a goal of mine of the coming year. I haven't been able to do it yet. Maybe it's been a mistake, but I really want to strengthen our welcoming committee and a welcoming committee is as it functions on many levels. One level, it just means literally someone walks into shul and you say, what's your name? That's already a step, but it's more than that. You know, it's hospitality as well. It's, it's, it's in a proactive sense, trying to be inclusive and uh, in, a, in a tight knit community like the Upper West Side and Young Israel, I think we can do a better job of that. Um, I'm not great at it. And I know, I know I've definitely gotten some feedback that we can be better at that. And in terms of like, you know, where it goes with Shadduchim as well, you know, that should be happening. You know, that should be happening more and more. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great answer, very transparent and honest, because a lot of people would just say, oh, come, Upper West Side is great. But it's good to set people's expectations the right way. And also, obviously, everyone could always be better at welcoming. And I know also at the event that we just had, you know, I said hi to a lot of people, but I'm sure that there were some people that I missed and just didn't realize. So that's always tough, but it's good to make an effort and it's good to try to get better. So moving on to the Mopod lightning round, where I'm just going to fire off some questions. You got to give the first answer that comes to your mind. 
what is your favorite restaurant on the Upper West Side? Savas. Okay. If you could be a shul rabbi in any other state, what would it be? Florida. Okay, good answer. My next question was, why not Florida, if you didn't say Florida? (laughs) Okay. What is the perfect length for a speech? I'm so sorry, I didn't hear it. What is the perfect length for a speech? Nine. Nine minutes. Okay, interesting. How many weddings do you attend a month? Fifteen. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, what? I went to two yesterday. I thought that was a lot. Anyway, anyway, what's the most annoying question that you get from people? Is IKC a good hacksher? <laughs> okay. Do you ever deflect questions and tell people to ask their local Orthodox rabbis? Definitely. Okay. Rabbi Genninger, it's been great having you on the Mopod. Anything you want our listeners to know before we sign off? No, it's just been an honor, privilege. Evan, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks so much, Ruff. Pump the line.